Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Commented Podcast. Wow, I almost forgot our name. Uh, <laughs> where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. And I don't know if we could call ourselves the crime junkies anymore. We're just the people who usually watch K-dramas on this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we are, today we are doing a, well, I'm talking about my review of my liberation notes and uh marion is here to listen and sit in as our um audience and a inquisitive voice as usual um before we get started though don't forget to drink your water wear your sunscreen and a mask uh as we just jump right into this you guys today my liberation notes literally just got done airing yesterday <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think this is the quickest um, I've, like, finished a drama. And usually I would sit with it for a few days, but I feel like I have so many thoughts on this show that this review will still be good. So for those of you who don't know, My Liberation Notes is a 16-episode JTCB aired, Netflix-released um, drama uh, starring Lee Min-gi, Kim Ji-won, Leo, and Song So-kyo. I need to look at his name in Korean because I swear to God I'd be saying it wrong. Song Sokgu, right? It's Song Sokgu. Okay. Song Sokgu. And then uh, it's written by Park Hae Young, who is also famously known for writing Another Miss O and My Mister. So um, the show is set in a village outside of Seoul. It's about the three young siblings. Um, and then a mysterious man named Mr. Groove moves to their neighborhood, who is an extreme alcoholic. And um, you kind of just get to watch their lives and watch these relationships forms and these relationships between family and friends. And it's such an interesting show. Have you seen the trailer or have you heard about My Liberation Notes, Marin? Yeah, I've heard about it, Um, seen like, you know, clips of the episodes, but I mm-hmm. have not read the synopsis. So to give you a good, what happens is, so you have these three siblings, right? There's mm-hmm. them and their parents. They live in this village that's like, you know how, you know how we tell people we live in Atlanta, but you know, we don't live in Atlanta. So if you're not from Georgia, it makes, yeah, it's not, it doesn't make sense to tell people that I'm from, you know, uh, what is it? Powder Springs, <laughs> which is like an hour away from the city. <laughs> so they live in like, if you were thinking of looking at Atlanta, they live like in Powder Springs or like whatever like that. So they still okay. go into the city every day to work, the three s- siblings. Um, the oldest is played by Liel and then um, Kim Ji-won is the youngest and Lee Min-ki is the middle child. So there's two girls, one boy, and then their parents, their dad runs a, like he makes sinks and cabinets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they also have a um, plot of land where they farm. Okay? So these siblings you get to you know know their personalities the oldest sister is kind of um the more emotional kind of um how do i say this she's not oh wow my brain is only thinking in korean um she's mm, she's dramatic a little dramatic a little sensitive which is you know interesting the um the middle brother he is the typical younger brother and the typical older brother he doesn't really care about his siblings sisters like that and he just kind of says what's on his mind and what i would i would say what the typical average korean man is like Mm -hmm. and you have the youngest sister who's kind of just unhappy 
mm, I guess depressed is the right word for it, but she just she's you know that normal amount of kind of depression and unhappiness people have with the world mm-hmm. it's that but on an odder scale but it's not extreme to the point where it's like a mental health issue mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah and so their viewpoints on the world are all different their viewpoints on love are all different and these siblings who come back and forth between their you know house in Sampo and Seoul their father is working with a man who just goes by his last name which is Gu and Mr. Gu is like he literally drinks from sunrise to sunset this mm-hmm. man wakes up and takes a shot a shot of soju like constantly just drinking and so the whole kind of the big umph of the story is that him and the youngest daughter which is Kim Ji Won. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically, they kind of are in this. Mm, it's not a sum at first, but it's just like he's there every day. He eats with them every day. He works with her father every day, and they kind of have this not talking. They don't ever really have a conversation until like she goes up to him and she says worship me mm-hmm. that's what really got me to watch this show i said worship <laughs> what um excuse me i was like what what is going on like i was for kickers um i was not gonna watch well here's the thing when the show was coming out and i was watching people get casted when Lee Min Ki got casted i was like fuck <laughs> if you don't know why i said fuck google is your friend um i was like shit i don't want to watch two of my favorite actresses kim ji Won or leo fall in love with this man and then i saw that he was the sibling i was like oh purr wait a second i might be able to do this and so that's the reason why i'm watching it um my five minute free spoiler review before we get into more details is that i enjoyed the show thoroughly i haven't given it a rating yet and maybe by the end of this episode i'll have a rating for it but i feel like this is some of the best writing i've seen on tv in k-dramas in a while um it's i usually as as somebody who is not into um mellow drama see mellow dramas or life slice of life dramas i enjoy the show um i've always said this on this podcast that dramas are an escape for me and i know that's weird because we like to pick apart dramas for their reflections of real lives even though they're an escape and so they're not always going to be realistic Mm -hmm. i also i tend to stay away from realistic dramas that um are real close to real life because they're usually depressing as fuck (laughs) and you're just like i don't think i can watch 16 episodes of people just being depressed and this is not what that show is it's more like 16 episodes of watching people deal with day-to-day life and having it's it showcases the beauty of i guess just intimate conversation between um family and friends which I think is interesting because that can get very boring. But when you have actors like this is this is an acting house, like these people know how to um, deliver and portray emotion in a way that doesn't feel like I'm just listening to people monologue on and on and on um, sometimes. And so it's 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 got the perfect when I say the perfect. Well, it does have the perfect amount. I could have wanted more, but that's me because I love watching rom-coms and stuff like that especially when you have song so cute like when i say i need this man in a full romance drama oh <laughs> uh, uh, i couldn't like that's what 
that's if you don't take anything else away from this, if we don't get Sonsoku in a like full romance drama in the next two to three years, I'm gonna beat somebody's ass. Cause <laughs> after watching him play this character and I don't know. I love Slow Burn and I hate it at the same time. But I love Slow Burn because it's full of my favorite trope in romance, which is small intimacies and not grand gestures of love. So mm-hmm. I really love that. So I definitely recommend it. If you're somebody like me who doesn't like to watch dramas that are sad, um, unless you need to cry or some shit like that, I d- definitely encourage you to watch mm-hmm. the show because I think it's realistic without being depressing, which is my biggest thing. So from now on, there are going to be spoilers. Um, as I just kind of talk about the show. So the hooker for me was the the worship me line that I kept saying online. I was like, worship me. Hmm. Same. I saw that I, TikTok. I was like, wait a damn second. <laughs> what is going on? And so I started watching. I think I started watching when eight episodes were out. So halfway through the show, people were still enjoying it. Especially, I like to gauge shows responses by a lot of my mutuals who i have similar tastes with because i'm like if this person likes it i'm probably gonna like it too um and i a lot of people kept saying because this is the woman who wrote my mister and i know my mister was sad and depressing as fuck that i was like i really don't know if i'm in the mood for this especially like if it's before or after your cycle like shit hits you differently (laughs) and stuff like that so i started the show and we got to that worship line and i'm like kim jiwon is just she's just fucking fantastic because the character she plays um it's not i i think i appreciate part of this drama because it goes out of its way to not make typical characters um or character tropes that you've seen in shows before um which is always fascinating to me because uh even as a writer i'm like how do i make this woman different from a woman i'm gonna write another show because we all kind of have certain types of characters that we love um and so to see the female leader of the show being someone who's not you know poor and still ecstatic and happy because you know rom-com dramas be like she ain't got money to buy lunch but she still has a great outlook on the world and it's like well fuck you because that's not true most of the time um and so for Yummy Jung to be this kind of woman who is just like I she's like my one of my favorite lines that she says is like I've never been filled up um and like when she says that to uh Mr. Gru she's just like I've never been filled up and you're gonna worship me until I'm filled up and I was like damn I don't know why that rang such um was such truth with me because Mijong is just like she's always overlooked she's always um not cared for people really don't know she like stifles in all her emotions and explodes and she's like very honest with her hate for people and the world and she's introverted and I loved watching her grow but like I also loved watching her explore why she is the way she is because the reason why it's called my liberation notes is that she works at a company that is basically forcing them into starting clubs so like they have a bunch of clubs um at their workplace like a hiking club and a swimming club and all this stuff but it's like her and like two of her co-workers that are just like we're introverted i don't want to fucking be in a club with people from work could you imagine if you're 
Like they call <laughs> <laughs> Like they call them in like several times during over the course of a few episodes. It's like, oh we have this club and this club and this club. And so at the very like at the last like call in, they're like, why don't we just start a fucking club of our own? Right? And so we can get these people off our neck. And so they call it the Liberation Club. And it's to be liberated from everyday stress or liberated from emotions. And the rules of the club is that you don't you don't comfort anybody. You don't try to find solutions for anybody. And, like, you don't – you just kind of listen, right? You mm-hmm. kind of listen and give feedback and talk about life. And so these three people start the Liberation Club and they take notes um, to sh- basically proof for their company that they're actually doing this club. And so you kind of just get to listen to these conversations of people, workers, like office workers, talking about what it means to be an office worker, what it means to be a single father, what it means to be a woman working. And it's it's these deep conversations that are held in light atmospheres that I think makes this drama really charming you know how sometimes a lot of dramas like to have deep emotional conversations in the most dramatic settings <laughs> yeah and so a lot of the time it either feels out of place in the drama or it feels like the drama is trying too hard or they're like trying to convince you of something like that can happen in a lot of dramas um but in this one a lot of their like deep profounding conversations about emotional and being and um personal like um retrospective like looking at myself or just like held on the couch or sitting at the dinner table or you know at a coffee shop and it's so once you get used to that kind of beat and rhythm of the drama it's so interesting to see how the conversations lend to the characters which I think is also amazing of the writer as somebody who writes I love writing dialogue and to see how amazing Park Young was at just giving you insight to each character through the conversations they have it was really, really cool and so you're watching Mi Jong and you know this alcoholic man who just like works at her father's shop doesn't say anything at dinner is always seen going to buy alcohol are slowly but surely I wouldn't say healing each other because I don't think that was the goal of this drama though there are those type of dramas that be like the pussy fix everything you know um, but those are for dramas where I think the women characters aren't written as individuals and they're only written to help a male lead character. And that's something that also is not a part of the story, though they hit a point later on that I'll talk about where I was like, hmm, men will still do anything but go to actual fucking therapy. But, <laughs> but um, you get to watch the two of them when she's like, worship me. And at first... And my favorite thing is that they end at Worship Me at, like, mm-hmm. the end of episode four, right? Mm-hmm. And so five starts the next week. And he was like, why the fuck would I worship you? He's like, you don't even know my fucking name. I was like, I love this reaction. Because, like, <laughs> like, cause she's like, Worship Me. And she's like, and she's explaining to him, like, by next spring, we'll be different people if we do this worship thing, right? And at first he's just like what who are you little girl (laughs) it's like that kind of like audacity and Mi Jung has a lot of audacity when it comes to her character like finally exploding on her emotions which I kind of loved and so Gu's reaction to that not being like okay sure I'll worship you and being like what the fuck (laughs) was also kind of charming to me and so then they continue to talk about it and she explains to him 
what she means by worship um, and why she wants to be worshipped. Like, he goes into this room, I think, I'm probably saying have a lot of the shit out of order, but what I remember is that he goes into this room that are just, it's just, the whole room, Marion, is just full of soju, empty soju bottles. <laughs> right? And it's like, he has this, like, moment of, like, damn, I, <laughs> I'm hitting rock bottom, right? And so he decides to start worshiping her. And the idea, when you hear the word worship, what is the first thing you think of? Like, if you're going to worship somebody you love. Well, if it's in this drama, I thought it was like in a sexual sense. Mm, that is also something I have to commend the writer for because it's not. He starts worshiping her just by caring for her little bit by little bit. Like the first sign of this worship thing is that uh, her hat, they were farming, they're sitting there and they're um, they're taking a break. Her hat flies off across these wide ass train tracks uh-huh. And he jumps over the tracks to get the hat and bring it to her. And so it's just these little things going to pick her up from the train station, having dinner with her, listening to her talk. Like, it's not like love bombing or anything like that where he's like, oh, you're beautiful. I love you or things like that. It's just, uh-huh. it's just being with each other and not having to feel like you're pretending. And I feel like that's really an interesting and important kind of feeling like being around somebody without having to feel like you have to code switch. That's like, we know what that feels like. Right. And so Mijong doesn't have to pretend to be normal or she doesn't have to feel like the, the odd person out when she's talking to, um, boo. And so they're just sitting there. They just, they just have conversations about how she, like, they have weird conversations, too. Like, she had a conversation where she talks about how at night or when it's mating season for frogs or frog migration or some shit like that, you can hear the frogs being driven over at night. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up to a bunch of dead carcasses on the road. And I'm like, and I was like, that's such a fucking weird conversation, but it lends you into, like, a seven-year-old just constantly seeing dead frogs everywhere. I was like, that's probably like not a healthy um sight to see especially if you're not talking to your parents about death or anything like that right and so it lends you to more about Mi Jung's character and how she sees the world and what things she like clearly remembers in her head and stuff like that and so this whole worship thing just becomes them like kind of dating and it's just it's a slow burn but it's so good to watch Right mm-hmm. through Mi Jung, through Gu worshiping Mi Jung, she worships him back, and so you get to learn about him and why he's here. Um, girl, when they started bringing out the well, first of all, the reason that they kind of got close was that Mi Jung's ex borrowed like so she took out a loan to give to her ex, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, this man um lost all the money and then flew the country. And so now she had to pay the loan back. And so she was having the bank letters sent to Goo's house instead of her house. Um, so that's how they got close. But the when he realized what they were, he said to her, do you want me to go get your money? And I was like, hold the fuck up. Is this man a, a loan shark? <laughs> Is this man 
a gangster and lo and behold man man we were right um <laughs> he's not a loan shark he works for a man who owns a bunch of clubs right mm-hmm. and so he's the manager over those clubs so like when they have to get people's like outstanding tickets and shit like that mm-hmm. he's the person to go and get it and so i'm sitting here thinking of myself because what happens is that we find out that um somebody from goose pass sees him in this town randomly and so they're like oh this is where you are and suddenly you got these gangsters calling and showing up in town looking for him and it come to find out that the reason he's in um sampo in the first place is that he was in love with the our like first kind of arch villain this man who wants to kill him um he was in love with this man's sister and i guess this woman was severely depressed she was emotional um you know her mental health wasn't great and i guess it was a long constant thing and even though he told her to go see a therapist and stuff like that it still wasn't working and he kind of i guess well not even kind of he i basically told her to go kill herself what um it's listen listen when i heard that i was like huh it was more like i don't think he meant saying go kill yourself but it was more like um i don't i can't remember if it was like in a moment of anger or something like that but she ends up committing suicide right Mm -hmm. she ends up committing suicide and of course her brother wants to fucking kill him um he gets off at the wrong train station and that's how he ends up in their town and the reason he gets up at the wrong train station is because Mijong was there to get her brother who was drunk on the train. And so, um, you know, the gangster, the, the gangster brother is coming talking about like, ha ha ha. He's like, I fucking kill you because you fucking killed my sister. You pushed her off the edge. And it's like, I mean, that all can't be on him. I don't think, I think this woman was, you know, on her last legs and him as her, spouse was also on his last limbs and i think it what led to that moment um they don't ever like show you in real detail like what happened that day or what that night or whatever but because they found him now his boss is like are you you know you should come back and so he goes back because basically the gangster brother's like i'm gonna fucking kill you he's like really if you loved your sister that fucking much you wouldn't have wasted your time taking over all of my businesses you would have come fucking found me (laughs) and so you get to learn that this this man like started as a host um at a club and he worked his way at becoming a manager he was a former track star um and thing like that and things like that but through him worshiping mijong he like finds at least a semblance of clarity or like um, or at least a start on the path of healing because Mijong's like this kind of odd brace of character that doesn't is, isn't afraid of him and she she talks about life which gets him to talk about life which gets him to talk about his feelings and so like for the first 10 episodes it's just this it's that's their story right is this um worshiping thing they I mean they kiss he says you know I worship you instead of like I love you. And it's like a very cute slow burn thing, but he eventually has to go back to fucking soul, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes back and then a few days afterward her mother dies, which was a shock that I'll talk about in a second. But let's jump into um let's before the mom dies, let's let's give you the brief of what else is going on. Um 
I love Leo so much and I love her portrayal of her ability to be able to be so many different women in so many different genres and none of them ever colliding. This is probably one of her more interesting roles. She plays the older sister um, and she's, I I probably empathize with her character a lot because she's just like, um, oh, this is a question I was going to ask y'all on the uh the would you rather episode or what would you do okay i'll ask you maren mm-hmm. if you're married to your spouse right mm-hmm. and your spouse is is sentenced to death and their head gets cut off uh-huh. would you a run away would you b stand in terror and do nothing or would you see pick up their head um god i think i'd stand in terror <laughs> oh i would definitely pick up their head and kijong is also a woman mm-hmm. who's like i would pick up their head her whole story is kind of being like always being looked over mm-hmm. um the kind of anecdote for that is that she works at a job where her boss is constantly dating their female workers um and constantly breaking up with them but that's just how he lives his life but he's never given her you know lotto tickets or asked her out or dated her or anything like that and she feels like you know she's part of the problem you know she's overshares Mm -hmm. on like first dates and stuff like that she's the type of person that um talks to get her feelings out and so like the first scene where she meets her love interest in the story who's played by the fine extremely tall Leslie Kiwu um, is she's sitting at dinner and she's talking about how she was dating this guy but he was a single father and she was just talking about how she couldn't date a single father because she'd always be number two she mm. would never be number one and you know she'd rather I think she said she'd rather get shot in the head than date a single father. So, so some extreme shit like that. Yeah. And in the table next to her, which she didn't notice was this man and his daughter. And so it's just like really awkward moment conversation. Cause then he, you know, he looks at his child and says, I don't ever regret giving birth to you or like having you or something like that. And so it's this really weird, really weird, intense encounter first meeting and so come to find out this man is also her little sister's co-worker who's also in the liberation club which is interesting but one thing leads to another we also find out that his um older sister was her classmate and so they end up meeting in again and she is like um what do they call it kumsapa or yeah kumsapa like somebody who falls in love at like first sight all the time and Ki Jung falls in love with this man basically after this you know conversation and encounter they have and she confesses and you know she's very dramatic because she basically has her little brother her little brother's friend follow her to where she's going to confess and she says like if he rejects me I want you to um drive by on your motorcycle and hit me in the shoulder or some shit so like she can like forget about the pain of being rejected in an instant she's she's a little over the top but i like completely understand 
um, and empathize a lot about her character and feeling like you're being overlooked and really wanting to be in love, but like really not knowing how to go about doing it. <laughs> and so one thing leads to another, even though he kind of rejects her and I'm sitting here, of course I'm sitting here thinking, I don't think this is going to be a, a good pairing. I was like, um, because I don't think she's ready to be a mother because she's going to eventually have to be a mother, even though he has his two sisters are willing to be single for the rest of their lives to take care of their niece, which I also thought was interesting. Um, but they ended up falling in love. And so she's now dating the single father and you kind of get to see how difficult that becomes because her friend who um, is his sister found out about that conversation she had and saying that she would rather be shot then date a single father and so now she's raising hell um because i mean she's um her niece's aunt so she's also scared that uh her father might abandon her but that's this man wouldn't do that he has no intention of doing that and so watching their story it was really i really loved it so much because it was realistic they didn't get married immediately. They didn't, um, neither of them are like, have these fantasies about their relationship. Um, they said they're going to get married when the daughter is 20. She's like currently in middle school. <laughs> and so watching these two people just have conversations. And I think it's one of the, charms about this story is that the romance is not like this fiery burning passion for any of the couples on the show it's more like this just really slow candlelight um of like what love is and i think that's really fun to watch and you get to watch these characters have like intentional conversations about their lives without the flowers of like what a rom-com drama would be mm-hmm. and so one of my favorite conversations that happens for Ki Jung is one is when she starts um oh you know what I'll get to that in a second because that's after her mother dies I think yeah but I think is it after her mother dies I think it's around the time her mother passes away that she basically has a conversation with the the daughter who they don't really ever have conversations, right? She's kind of resolved herself that they're dating or um, whatever, but Ki Jung talks to her like she's a person and not like her boyfriend's child. Mm-hmm. She talks about how, how sad she would have been if she... I think she talked about how sad she would have been if she grew up without a mother. But the child asks her, the daughter asks her, do adults get sad too? And it's like this really emotional scene that they have. And of course, Ki Jong being Ki Jong like blurts out, she's like, can I be your mother? I'll be your mother. I'll try my best. And it's like the conversation, the little girl just gets up and walks away, but it's just like that really kind of emotional scene between two people. Mm-hmm. which actually inspired me to write an idea for like a drama um, that probably will never get written in the future but that's how like impactful that scene was for me and then another scene that I really like is when they you get to listen to Lee Kibu's character talk about being growing up as 
uh, the child of a single mother in South Korea being constantly bullied and stuff like that. And then she doesn't have a pregnancy scare, but I guess Ki Jong takes pregnancy tests um, when she's late just to check. And so the daughter sees that in the convenience store. And of course, word gets back to their house. And, you know, the older sister of um, of the boyfriend is just like, if she's pregnant, just go ahead and get married. She's like, one, it's so interesting because one sister is like, I'm willing to take your daughter and go live somewhere else if necessary, right? And then the other sister is just constantly berating and um, trying to, I guess, scare Ki Jung off because they're not married yet and they're she's just a girlfriend. And I guess she's afraid of the impact or the scars she might leave on the niece's life, which is valid, but she's very nasty about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he realizes she's not pregnant, he says twice, well, that's relief. And I'm sitting here watching this. I had to pause. I was like, nigga, did you just say that twice? <laughs> and there's like this really awkward side. He's like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And of course she's like, Oh, it's okay. But then immediately goes home and like cuts her hair. <laughs> and I'm like, whoo, Kijo, I just felt so much for her. And, you know, but then they have this conversation where he's just like, you know, when people see toddlers, they're like really happy. He's like, but I see kids. And my first thing that comes to my head is what kind of hardships will that child have? you know, what kind of pain will they go through? And so he was very honest about his feelings about having any more children at the moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very, you know, honest, reflective conversation. And the, the both of them were being very honest with their feelings. And so I really loved that dynamic. And honestly, I could have watched 16 episodes of the two of them just talk. And to, oh God, I need them to be in another drama together. Jesus Christ. Um, but um, before we get to the major uh, character death, I'll talk about Changi, which is the brother who is played by Lee Min Ki. But I can separate the two just for two seconds because <laughs> it's so funny on my timeline. One of my mutuals like, I've she's like, I know several of y'all are watching my liberation notes, but I ain't seen not damn person talk about Lee Min Ki, and I was like, period. <laughs> One band, one sound. <laughs> That's why I looked up the cast and Neiman Key popped up. I said, what? Ain't <laughs> <laughs> nobody said shit about that, no, man. nobody. <laughs> but I think there are two sides of Twitter. I think there are two sides of Twitter that are definitely talking about him. Because one, another one of my mutuals just like, really? Because I've seen shit about him every week. And I'm like, where? Because <laughs> my timeline don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, to separate them, um, Tongi is a really interesting character. He is this um, office worker who is just kind of beaten by life uh, a couple times, you know, constantly being passed over for promotions. He's a, you know, doesn't really have his father's approval, has, you know, very little minimal communication with his father in general, Um, you know, and he's, you know, he's an ass to his sisters, but what brother isn't an an ass to his sisters? (laughs) I feel like brothers are a double-edged sword. They'll do what they gotta do, but they'll probably also be one of the most honest people with you, and it's fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> but Changi is like 
in this weird limbo of like his story starts with him breaking off with his um girlfriend and then you get all this stuff about work and money and so at times I thought some of his monologues were just kind of a little dreary for me because I couldn't relate to a lot of the shit he was talking about as someone who doesn't work in an office um but he has a very interesting outlook on life and that's reflected in the drama and how he treats the people around him um I think the most interesting part of his story was the relationship with his father and how it changed after their mother died and then the relationship he has with um, his childhood best friend whose name is Hena, who I also thought was a very interesting character. She's a woman who's into open relationships. Mm -hmm. And so her big part of the story is that she basically falls in love with this man who becomes terminally ill and then transfers all of his finance to her instead of his mother and so she has to deal with that but uh because he's terminally ill so basically what happens is kind of this kind of is but kind of not a thruple situation basically happens where the boyfriend that is terminally ill wants to see changi because kiana is always talking about him and um and he's like she if you asked her like to marry you she would and he's like she wouldn't and she says i would and so there's like this weird thing where hyuna and changi are taking care of her terminally old boyfriend Mm -hmm. until his passing um and so and they kind of i guess get into a relationship after his mother dies but um changi you know he exhibits uh i found it i one of the reasons i find changi interesting because as a woman writer myself i also find it hard sometimes to write male characters that are not just for the the benefit of my female characters and so watching this you know individual exhibit i guess what i would consider complete male thought but written by a woman I thought was very interesting. It's not like he's a raging misogynistic asshole. Mm-hmm. But like he has this whole plot where he fucking hates a colleague of his who is also who's a woman who's also getting looked over for promotions and shit like that. But it feels like the reason he hates her is because she has money. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, she's annoying. She does that type of shit that colleagues do where it's like um, smiling your face but it's not really a smile on your face type of shit. I get the annoyance for it, but I just thought it was interesting that the character was believable enough where he just kind of like hated her guts, even though they have to sit next to the chair. They're, they're, you know, their um, stations are right next to each other at work. And her father bought one of the more profitable convenience, because he works at a convenience store franchise. So he's like the manager that comes from the main branch to check on the people who own convenience stores mm-hmm. and her father buys a convenience store that makes a ton of money that he was going to buy um and so it's this weird odd interesting thing but it also lends itself to like men hating women in the workplace for little reasons and I just thought it was interesting to see the character's motivations because basically he talks about um, his character, which is a really interesting plot point. But I, at first I was like, this didn't make sense. So what happens is that Changi gets interested in um, Suk 
Sokku's character because he finds the keys to Aurora's Aurora's uh, Aurora's Royce. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why can't I say that? Aurora's Royce just sitting in his bathroom, and so now he's under the belief that if he can just drive this Rolls Royce around, because honestly he doesn't have a car, and actually having a car would be great for his job since so he travels all over the city, but. He's like getting this Rolls Royce would fix like this empty space in him. And so Goo gives him the car. He's just like, period, take the car, whatever. He's not using it. And so he starts driving around on this Rolls Royce and he meets his ex. And he's like, I think it's curbed some of my anger, some of my hate, because, um, you know, it's relieving a burden. But in the end, it doesn't really change anything, especially after the car gets hit <laughs> in like a parking lot. And so, uh, what? No, I said shit. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. And so it's. I just thought that was a very interesting character to watch. And so you have these three siblings all in these like three different relationships, three different parts of the story. And I think another really interesting um relationship is the relationship they have with their parents. Uh, the only time there's kind of any emotional uh exchange between the parents and the kids is when Changi's like trying to explain to his father his next moves in life and his father just kind of looking utterly disappointed and so they don't really have I mean it's just like a typical family in out in and out every day mom cooks dinner all the time um they're always you know in the farm not in the farm on the field plowing and shit like that and then their mother passes and when I saw that that was going to happen, I was like, how is this fitting into the story? Like, what's this? I, for me, a, a, a pet peeve I have is character deaths for the sake of character deaths mm-hmm. and not for story improvement or anything like that. Because, you know, like a lot of characters die and then shit doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. But this is one of the more... This is a very well written character death. The mother change. The mother dies unexpectedly, and the mother dies. This is after Gu has returned to the city. The mother dies, and so the kids, you know, watching all the siblings, each individual sibling, deal with grief. Um, watching how they talk to each other, how they all like have these. Com- they have this really beautiful conversation on the beach about you know sibling love and how that's different from love you have for your children or love you have you know for your parents and things like that but it basically is a change in their life that basically gets the kids the father gets remarried and the kids all move to Seoul and so we kind of get it three years later and the reason we learn all this is because Goo three years after he left comes to visit the dad and he finds out that you know the mother died and all the kids are in Seoul and we get to see them, you know, at the funeral and all of that stuff. And so after the, that, that death, it was just amazing to see how the story continued. Um, episode 14 is probably my favorite episode out of the entire series because that is a master class on how to write flashback mm-hmm. and pace a story so well that it feels like a movie. Um, it lent so much inner thought to the characters and I absolutely adored it Um, but basically after the mother dies three years later Mi Jung has changed jobs 
I forgot to tell you that the reason she had to change jobs, one, she worked at the design place as an intern. She was like a non-contract worker. Mm-hmm. And her boss was basically having an affair with somebody in the office and saved the girl's name as her name in his oh, phone. Oh my god. When I saw that shit, I was like, are we going a little mock chunk? <laughs> are we I was like, how the fuck? What the fuck? And this is a man who has taken credit for her work, who is constantly critiquing her on her designs, even though he has no trends about, he doesn't know anything about the trends in the design industry. Come to find out, the woman he was um, having an affair with, is that Mijong already knew they were having an affair, because anytime he would um, scold Mijong over her work, the woman would tap her papers Mm-hmm. on the table and he'd stop and i was like first of all bitch you got to be intuitive to realize that shit <laughs> um but it just shows you how often she was getting berated by this dude uh but it turned out to be her friend it turned out to be her friend and they fought and i was so bad because we didn't get to see the aftermath of that shit because <laughs> me jung literally went up to that woman and slapped her in the face with her bag and i was like period beat that bitch to the ground because how are you gonna not only did he save her save the name his wife called Mijong at work and I was so fucking terrified that the wife was gonna like come up to Mijong and be like are you fucking young Mijong are you sleeping with my wife no so she called and she's like I'm such and such his wife and so Mijong calls this man's phone in front of the hall office and then gets back on the phone she's like I'm saved under Mijong temporary worker the other one is not me or whatever. So that was interesting. I was like, sis Mijong is going through it. First your ex um steals your money and then screams at you um for trying to get the money back. Or at least to pay off the loan. And not only that, that motherfucker gets married to his ex girlfriend that flew off with him and then comes back to Seoul and still paid ain't still paid her back. I was like Hell in the handbasket, cause God, that was awful. Um, but basically, we get to the three years later point is because Goo calls Mi Jung, and you know now they're kind of back in each other's lives for a moment, I guess, cause the ending was whew. Um, Ki Jung and the single father are still going well. They've decided they won't get married until his daughter's twenty, and of age, she's going through damn puberty i was about to say sachungi um she's going through puberty and you know she's a little all her gangster shit she's wearing lipstick and shit like that and so they're going through a rough patch they had a little pregnancy scare that happened after her mother died um their story ends well changi and hyuna broke up changi is now uh a owns a convenience store himself this is after he quit the job but he well he quit the job his mother died. He took care of his father for a while. And then he realized that if he didn't do something, him and his father were both going to grow old, having three days, having meals together three times a day. So he helped his father get remarried and then started a business where he was going to sell sweet potato cookers to convenience stores. That shit failed. And so (laughs) that shit didn't go well. And they show you that shit didn't go well. It's because the day he was supposed to go test it out with the people at the branch 
um, Hyanna's boyfriend died in the hospital and he couldn't reach Hyanna. And so he stayed with the boyfriend on his last breath. And we've come to find out Changi has this kind of sixth sense for when people are going to die and he doesn't realize it because when his grandma passed away, he was there in her last moments. And when his mom passed away, he was the one who found her. And so this is the third person who he's like um, been with on their, you know, their last breath. And he unintentionally ends up in a funeral, a mortician's class, a funeral director's class. And this is after he's paid off the loan for his failing business and he's still running the convenience store. And he's just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do, a funeral director. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting little happy tie up to his life. But him and Hannah didn't work out because Hannah. It's a type of woman who was with men who were problematic. She's like, I can fix them uh-huh. type of girl. And so they didn't work out, which was sad, but um, believable. Mi Jung um, and Mr. Gu, basically, Gu is still working at this club for this man. Um, I do have to appreciate this drama for showing you that drinking alcohol every day is not fun. Um, the man he starts to have auditory hallucinations of just a phone ringing but even his boss who's been working with him for years is like you know you don't you're not into women you don't gamble but that alcohol it's getting to you you're not doing your best anymore buddy and so he says to him this is the one little hitch i had with the show he says to him oh you know well the boss says to him well did you tell your ex-girlfriend um to go to therapy why don't you go to therapy? He's like, oh, I'm going to therapy. And then he's like, well, the doctor said you haven't been there in a while. And then he starts to talk about stuff that Mijong has told him. And I'm like, Mijong is not your therapist. I need, that needs to be very clear. <laughs> that is not therapy. <laughs> Even though talking to her makes him feel better and makes him feel more alive and things like that. But basically his old time friend basically gets a gambling debt, fucks it up. He like, the gamblers come to collect money and you know he tries to you know stop them from taking the money and he manages that but then the friend bops him on the head with a kettle and then takes the money and so now the end of the show is basically goo carrying a bag of money and leaving and then mijong it's this monologue where she talks about she feels loved for once being with you feels like being loved but it looks like he's about to skip town again Mm. right and so that's just kind of how the show ends and i was like damn (laughs) i know i knew i wasn't gonna get a happy ending from this writer looking at her previous works but it was still kind of it was it didn't i can say that it didn't give me an empty feeling open endings aren't my aren't my favorite endings but it's better than you know a sudden character death a fake reality but it's kind of open endings for everybody and their characters and what they're going to do in the future. So I appreciate that actually a lot. Um, I really enjoyed watching the show. I felt like there were a lot of moments where conversations were being had where I was like, hum, yeah, I do hate people. <laughs> they talk about that a lot. Um, Gu and Mijung talk about, I hate seeing people just moving in front of me. And I'm like, I get that. Peopling is hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> people like it's very hard and i think i can only people with people that i like mm-hmm. so that was really interesting i also love how they talked about um how most people in life or what they do in life is to uh even if you go the whole day unhappy if you can get five minutes of happiness you know seven seconds from hearing your favorite song five seconds from seeing a puppy on the street i was like i thought that was a very interesting introspect into life and even though you know i didn't hit all the biggest moments in this show but i feel like if Mellow's continue to if this writer could just continues to write melodramas for the rest of her career, I'll watch him. Because a lot of people said that um Mr. Odyssey is way more darker and I believe them. Um every time but, I saw a clip on that show, it was IU crying. Like I Oh <laughs> shit. Girl. <laughs> and it's crazy because I don't think this show was getting a lot of hype at the beginning, but mm-hmm. the more episodes came out, it started being like number one most talked about show for like four weeks straight so i think this lends itself to being um a great writer a great director and great actors coming together for a very good project um again i appreciated the individualism that all the female characters had the individualism that all the male characters had the realistic open ending because it didn't try to wrap everything up in a happy bow like Goo basically could be going to his death for all we know at the end of that series because he let his friend continue to run that club and gave him one more chance and the motherfucker still fucked up. <laughs> right? Um, but I think, I also think it was fun to see, I think one of the reasons the show worked a lot of the times because it was outside of Seoul and it was talking about people outside of Seoul. You know, they end up moving to Seoul at the end. It was... It is an intentional in talking about people outside the norm. And I feel like the characters are oddly normal, but weird at the same time. Mm-hmm. But they're not weird to a point where you don't empathize with them. And they're not um, normal to the point where it's boring. There wasn't, there wasn't like almost every conversation, because this is a very conversation heavy drama. There's not really a lot of action as much as there's just like people talking and then people reacting to those conversations and so the ability to just watch a show just talk or even not talk because there's a lot of scenes where there's just like silence it lends itself to real life in a way that is not extremely depressing Son Soku deserves his fucking title as the nation's new boyfriend, even though he's a fucking alcoholic and a gangster, for less lack of a better term. Um, so and so cool. I think he talked about this once in an interview how he likes working in works where women are the leads. And I was like, period, bitch, continue to do that shit because he picks great dramas. You remember that um we watched Jerry San? Mm-hmm. You know that look he had when he shows up as the the first love in Jerry San? That look shows up in this drama. I'll have to look at it again. With the leather jacket and the fur on the collar. Oh, oh, he was a cop, right? Yes. Oh, boyfriend. Yes, yes, yes. That look shows up again in this show. And I keep telling myself, if we don't get this man and just a great, just romance driven, give me all of the romance. Oh, I need it. Because that would be amazing. 
he's so good at because you know this is not a male character who's like dressed in suits he's usually in a t-shirt with sweat stains on it uh-huh. like it's giving I, I it was really giving i drink from sundown to sun up <laughs> every day and i still was like he could get it he could definitely get it and that speaks a lot to the characters and how they were written does this make you interested in watching the show or is there any um moments you saw on the the timeline that i could expand on (laughs) um i only ever saw um as i said like the their romantic parts the main leads Mm. but i probably would not watch it only because i don't i'm not a huge fan of realistic dramas Mm -hmm. like that like this um and i personally i really dislike open endings and Mm. i probably would Mm -hmm. not watch it for that yeah it was a little lackluster the ending was a little lackluster especially when you have the main female character talking about how much she feels loved and lovable and then you have the main male character talking about god i don't remember his last words but it was not the same vibes Mm -hmm. it was like i think he was talking about being with her but he was it looked like he was basically finna skip town Mm -hmm. and so but i i don't think there could have been a concrete ending to this show mm-hmm. that would have made it satisfying. Yeah, like I can understand that also for like <laughs> dramas based like trying to show like what the real world is like. Giving mm-hmm. a clear ending sometimes is not the best option because it's not realistic, especially if that's it's what you're shooting for that. in the entire show. Yeah, yeah, like Changi and Hyuna not working. I was like, yep, because. <laughs> That make complete sense to me. And I was so afraid Kijong and Taehoon were not going to work either because I was like, how? I don't know if she's ready to be a mother mm-hmm. or what that entails. But seeing that they're going to just work on it and just wait until the daughter's older. And I was like, okay, I believe that because they, their chemistry was giving. And honestly, again, I could listen to them do 16 episodes of them just talking and living and being domestic. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't even know what I would give this. I think I'd give it a nine mm-hmm. just cause I wasn't 110% excited with the ending either. Um, and I felt like the last episode lent itself a little bit too much to Chongi's story, which I didn't particularly care for at the end. Um, but you know, it was also interesting because Chongy talked about how he had to help his father get remarried. And I'm sitting here is like, if I, at first I was like, this man just lost his wife. He got remarried within three years. Mm-mm. And it's like, he got remarried and then they also took down the family pictures, like with the mother in it at their home. Like those weren't on the wall anymore. And I was like, damn. <laughs> right but i also understood why the story did that because if they didn't then the kids would have had to take care of him Uh. and none of them would have moved a soul that easily even if they didn't show us this like never-ending loving relationship between the kids and their father yeah that was a really interesting part to me but i understand why it happened but yeah I definitely, again, but I do still highly recommend this drama for those who don't 
particularly like melodramas or slice of life i think you'll enjoy some of the um non-cliche moments that the drama has to lend itself uh i'm excited to see what everybody's gonna do next Ooh, is he gonna be in dp2 he is gonna be in dp2 okay what is murder diary oh this is the one he's supposed to be doing choyo chic did you see that the which one um, Soku is, I think, and Chorushik might end up being in a drama together, and it's supposed to be on Netflix, and it's a crime drama. Murder Diary? Yes. And he's going to be a, a detective and not the bad guy, which is interesting because mm-hmm. he just got done playing um, a murderer in uh, The Outlaws 2. So, <laughs> this will be fun. Somebody give Song Soku a. Uh, please give him a romance. I need it. I mean, he wasn't being melodramatic, which I don't. For, it was. It was too short. It, <laughs> no, because I love to be melodramatic too. Yeah, and that was great. And also, I'm looking at this man's dramas, and most of them are above eights. Period, <laughs> bitch. Because the man knows how to pick a show. He truly does. And if they just give me a romance drama, I don't even. I just want it to be grown. It can it can even be funny if it's a romantic comedy. I just need the whoever the actress is to also be around his age. That's all I ask. <laughs> That's all I ask. All I ask. But yeah, I give um my duration notes. I think I'm gonna give it a nine. I think I'm gonna give it a nine just because the ending wasn't wasn't what um the best ending for me, but it was the best ending for the drama. Um. If you guys liked my liberation notes or go watch it after listening to me talk for an hour, <laughs> uh, tell us what you thought about the show. Um, you can talk to us on commented at TikTok or uh, TikTok. Oh no, uh, you can come talk to us at Twitter at commented or TikTok at commented podcast or join our Discord, which is linked in all of our profiles, uh, and chat with us there. Um, what are we doing next, Marin? Uh, the... I keep almost closing out and then thinking. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the um, picking. Oh, what is it? Our own like storyline, like picking characters yes. or actors. We're yeah. doing a fun little another create with commented episode where we're dream casting uh, for our favorite actors or recasting our favorite shows. Um, the next drama I think we're doing is Love Featuring Marriage and Divorce. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Which I can't wait for. I get to sit and listen to the drama. I cannot wait. That'll be in a few weeks. Prompt. I'm ready. I'm starting. Yay! That'll be in a few weeks, so make sure you have your notifications on. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. People who especially are uh, subscribed to us on Spotify, that number keeps going up with them stars, baby. Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, but until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. Bye-bye.